0: Named
1: author Clive Kussler. The hero Dirk Pitt. Killed a Soviet
0: patrol guard? We better get a make on this guy quick. You're a monumental pain in the ass. Dirk Pitt, you
1: sly son of a bitch.
0: The Titanic, episode two, Ouija board romance. That's very cute, but oh, that's a permanent cat now.
1: Now, purr into the microphone. Oops. We can use this.
0: A all cats do, she or he is great with direction. <laughs> Lily, look, you saw the cat dog. <laughs> fight, 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 e- fight. Okay, go cough. <laughs> I found this. It is a video game.
1: King's Night.
0: Anime-style video game from 1989. Dang, what system? Nintendo. It's got the Nintendo seal of quality.
1: Oh, just OG Nintendo. It's
0: yeah, nice. Just uh, pull up a floorboard in the attic, and I was like, oh, there's stuff here. There's a little alien figurine in and, and, and this.
1: <laughs>
0: I put the alien figurine back. I figured it's its burial place. That's where it needs to go.
1: A Nintendo game from 89 that looks like it's still in the wrapper is probably worth some money, though.
0: You think? It's not like Pac-Man or anything. It's not...
1: I know, but it's oh. still rare. Oh, okay. Maybe. How many of those, you know, have survived to this day and age?
0: It's so very 1989. I mean, the pictures... I know you can't see it very well, but like the, the redhead... And it's... It captures the year. One day I'll go into that... There's a room underneath my house I've never been in.
1: King's Night, Nintendo NES... Sealed, uh, currently going for four hundred bucks on eBay.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's a nice find. Alrighty.
1: <laughs> that's an early SquareSoft game. Wow,
0: that'll make up to my other dog biting its tail and having to go to the vet. <laughs> so if, if, if I sell it, the money the money's already spent on something not fun. Yeah, what dog bites its own tail so bad it goes to the vet twice?
1: Uh, not a smart learner. So I'm surprised that hasn't happened to my dog. Although my dog. Choose her nails loud enough that we can hear it in different rooms.
0: So did you make hot sauce for the jalapenos? Because you had like a metric ton of them. Oh,
1: a bunch of them became hot sauce. Did
0: your, do your neighbors complain?
1: <laughs> oh, heck no. A uh, bunch of them got turned into hot sauce that I poured into Frank's bottles. So I called it Frank's Green Hot. Cute. And the rest of it is pickled. And the dog is back.
0: I read a long time ago that Dostoevsky was paid by the word. And <laughs> I don't know how to articulate the reverse of that, but I think Clive Cussler. Had that going. <laughs> These chapters are brief.
1: Yeah. There was one when I was listening to the audiobook and I thought I'd skipped ahead, but no, it was one conversation. It was like one phone call and like, oh, that's the whole chapter. Okay. I wrote one sentence time.
0: <laughs>
1: so I listened to nine chapters and I still think we'll have a hard time hitting our episode limit on this one.
0: Oh, I, Although I made it too- there,
1: there is a lot of plot to discuss
0: sure. And and it's fun. It's zipping right through, yeah. but it's hilarious because how many thousands of pages have been written about the Titanic and this guy's like, deadline's coming. Better hand in this chapter. Something happened. Boom. It's off. <laughs> Something happened, period. No ellipses, nothing. <laughs> no. Don't think about it any further. It's done. Hand it in.
1: I'm not sure these books were published You know, one chapter at a time. That is how some of Stephen King's earlier stuff did get published. The Green Mile was published as six tiny novellas in six issues of a magazine, I believe. And he says he has no idea what. Well, he had a vague idea what was going to happen with the next one, but he didn't like write the whole thing and then revise it. He just wrote each chunk by itself. So he would be surprised with the, the next one that he wrote.
0: Stephen King's amazing. I he's a. I remember <laughs> as a kid reading him and thinking, and everybody saying, "Oh, it's just pop, pulp fiction. It's dreadful. It's garbage." And he's written I don't know how, how many hundreds of books. He's an amazing (laughs) author. He's finally getting recognized for it. I'm glad he doesn't have to die to get the recognition he deserves as a fantastic author.
1: That seems to be how it goes with horror. John Carpenter movies, every time they came out, were panned by critics. Like, this is just horrible, gross, disgusting schlock. Who would go see this? This is terrible. And his movies made a ton of money. Uh, He made the highest grossing independent film of all time. And that stood for like 15 years. With the first Halloween movie, and now he's considered like the undisputed master of horror.
0: One question: it, That, that is, Halloween's amazing to me because he, he carved that pumpkin in the beginning, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a ratty ass un-Hollywood pumpkin. You look at that pumpkin, you're like, it's not a movie pumpkin. That yeah. pumpkin wasn't made to be a star. It's got like a flat spot. There's brown spots. It's not carved like as aesthetically.
1: <laughs> Isn't horror like a Hollywood pumpkin?
0: no <laughs> it's a street pumpkin <laughs> you're like oh it made it better
1: Stephen King like he's shock it's pulp it's horror he's just writing about here's a killer car here's a killer little girl here's a killer another little girl here's another killer little girl
0: <laughs> just well, a bunch in
1: a row and now you know 10 15 years later oh uh turns out we were wrong he's the undisputed master of horror and, and our bad he has
0: his own font good for him.
1: (laughs) His name is bigger than the title for all of his books now.
0: He shaped my childhood for sure.
1: I listened to so many, uh, Stephen King podcasts. Every time they have a guest on, like they always ask, you know, how did you get started reading Stephen King? And I think 95% of them have the exact same story, which was my mom had a bunch of his books. So she made me read them. (laughs) It's never like my dad had a bunch of his books. It's never, I saw them at the library. No, it was every single time. My mom had Stephen King.
0: I've always heard, my mom saw me reading and she didn't care because I was reading.
1: And she <laughs> didn't know, oh, Stephen
0: King, that's a popular guy.
1: <laughs> oh, thank God. Read something.
0: It's not going to be too bad in a book.
1: Don't start with it.
0: It was a good book until almost the end. <laughs>
1: that comes up in a lot of these talks too.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But I guess we should get on with our podcast. We should. Oh, right.
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Custa the Hustlers. This is Nancy. Hi. That over there is Topper, the other host of Custler Hustlers. Hi, Topper.
1: Hi, I'm over here.
0: He is. We far over there. (laughs) And today we're discussing Raise the Titanic by Clive Custler. And last week we stopped at the end of chapter six.
1: Yes, we are about halfway through part one, which is the Sicilian project. And tonight we're going to get through to the beginning no, actually, I guess part one ends uh, at chapter nine, and then we're going to get into part two, The Coloradans, something that yes. makes no sense, but keep
0: listening. Chapter, uh, this book is divided as a, a intermission, which is strange for him. It's the first time he does this. Still no Al, and still no so this- yes.
1: <laughs> Dirk. Yes. Uh, Dirk so far has a cameo in this book, where he walks on screen, shoots a dog, shoots a Soviet, and then leaves.
0: He mutters something, but he doesn't really have dialogue. He just looks. We're led to believe he's sad. He shot the dog.
1: Although later on, there are like basically two entire chapters where the characters are asking, "Where's Dirk? Who's Dirk? Who is this mysterious Dirk? We must find Dirk." So the Dirk fan club is going strong.
0: Whenever Poochie's not on screen, all the other characters should be asking, "Where's Poochie?" Nobody's passing the Bechdel test in this book.
1: Uh, yeah, I I mean uh so far I don't think we've had two women in the same scene.
0: <laughs> I don't think Clive oh, no. has...
1: there was Oh a... no,
0: that's going to be off that's going to be off camera. That's going to be at a ho- hotel in Miami with the informat- nymphomaniac redheads.
1: There was that brief moment where Seagram's wife Dana talked with the president's uh sex worker girlfriend.
0: Wow. Oh. Which okay. is a
1: sentence I can't believe I said, but this is Clive Custler in the 70s. No. <laughs> also, I don't remember what <laughs> they talked about I think they just talked if about they, how if they
0: talked about a man.
1: I think it th- they count. talked about how how they were each wearing the same dress, which I don't think is better than talking about men. <laughs> if they're no. just there to go, women be shopping.
0: But no, it's worse than that. It's caddy. It's like who looks better? <laughs> in it? That's uh, the com- that's why women don't like that because you're yeah. immediately you're seeing whose figure is better. The comparison is
1: stark. Although the author seems to be leaning towards Dana, uh, given that the president had to pay special attention to her cleavage.
0: Oh, well, as a cleavage haver, I don't think people who stare at cleavage are that discerning. I think it's whatever's in front of them.
1: <laughs> he's the president. He can discern. At least he yes. should be. But
0: Monica Lewinsky wasn't beauty. She was there. She was in the room. That's all it takes.
1: The way that Custler writes men, I think I understand why nobody likes men anymore. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's writing like, we're Isn't all it? like this.
0: You all were like this in the 70s. You just missed this time.
1: Ah, uh, yes, I was not born.
0: Yeah, you, were, you were born in a dearth of whiskey. You had a, a debt of alcoholism that you couldn't rise to. <laughs>
1: simply uh, by
0: being of this generation and not that one.
1: I'm sorry. It's my fault again.
0: There, In this part, in chapter six through nine, there is some scene where this guy a guy walks into a building he's never been to. To people he's ever met, a newspaper building, he's like, ah, oh, I could take a whiskey.
1: <laughs> I did write that what down. I'm you,
0: that... you, buddy. You just walked in here. Hi, how you doing? My name is I'll have some free booze.
1: They do have their their little talk, and then the booze comes out. So th- there was at there... least some intros, but I did write down that there is a break to have a very short parlor scene and imbibe some shivas regal.
0: Shivas for... regal? I've not had a <laughs> it looks
1: like it should be Shavas regal.
0: It sounds so fancy that way, like a like a fabric only royalty can have. Shivas regal.
1: I say this so often, but in my defense, I'm Canadian.
0: That's not a defense; that's a brag. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll take your word for that.
0: For listeners who who can't see the video feed, he's drinking maple syrup with a straw right now. There's a bear right behind him. I think it's his son. <laughs>
1: It is. He's getting very shaggy these days.
0: <laughs> well, no, nobody's shaving now. All right, you sent me a picture of bears. All the bears in front of your house?
1: Uh, no, those are the bears in my neighborhood right now. Our neighborhood Facebook group uh, has been been tracking them, and like most years, we'll get one bear who comes through on garbage days and just messes with a couple sure. of uh, garbage cans. This is four distinct bears. They're everywhere. They're sleeping in backyards. They're ripping sheds open to get at the garbage. They're eating the garbage, barfing, going to sleep, getting up, eating more garbage, barfing, going to sleep again. And the city is just like, uh, keep your distance.
0: That's what they're telling us about the swans. (laughs) Oh, yes, the swans. swans. (laughs) The swans are very aggressive. mean. (laughs) And they're territorial now. So... If you try to walk your dog at the park and you go off the path they're gonna come for your dog. You have a small itty bitty yorkie or teacup Freeze mm-hmm. frise, it, it can get very hurt.
1: It's getting swarmed.
0: Or abducted.
1: Whereas my dog wants to be friends with the bears and will chase them down and bark at them.
0: They look so cute, so dangerous to cuddle, bears.
1: The bears around here are very acclimated. So my dog starts barking at them, and they're just like, fine, I'll leave, and just sort of waddles away. Like
0: When I was doing the census door-to-door, I was going in a very wooded area, so I couldn't see the front of a house because it was the driveway was curbed. So I was walking along the curved path, and I get to the gate, and there's just a giant bear there. He had knocked over the garbage and was eating KFC, but like a human. <laughs> so I had like a drumstick, like. holding a drumstick on the narrow side and it was just like, I was just like, hi bear because I know you're supposed to just (laughs) make noise or sing a song.
1: Bears don't quite move the way you think you do and I realized looking at all all of these pictures and looking at all the videos that were taken of the bears this week is bears look like they were drawn by somebody trying to draw a bear from memory and who's not very good at it. (laughs) And a lot of them do look like people in bear suits.
0: I sent you the that that story because if you didn't hear of it the <laughs> comment I made is unhinged Don't you <laughs> yep no
1: that's been a running gag uh that's been a meme online that sun bears look like a person wearing a bear suit but this was uh the zoo specifically having to say no it's not a person in a bear suit
0: <laughs>
1: cuz it stands up and just looks like it has a little butt wearing pants
0: I can't like ducks <laughs> Pluto that's when he stands I like too. it's very strange
1: we've gotten off track
0: <laughs> we oh have we we barely started uh
1: all right so let's start chapter this six
0: so we start for the third time. chapter chapter seven. seven Seagram and all right Donna Donner, which is Brooklyn for Donna but uh in this case it's like the party hey Donna and <laughs> d o n n e r Donna these two lovely men do some light brutality to a doctor to get in to see their mineralogist friend.
1: Yes. I just wrote down that uh, Seagram threatens him until they they get into Copeland's room because Copeland got shot in the side, but he's all patched up, but he also uh, got winged on the head and his skull is cracked. He's going to have migraines for a long time, but that doesn't matter. Seagram has to yell at him. So
0: you're going to yell at him and get us get the... Get the story from him, which we all know, once you've been cracked on the head, whatever you're reporting is going to be very accurate. Yeah. Especially if you're in pain and you want the person talking to stop talking, you're you're just going to throw out the most viable information.
1: Unfortunately, this first report is very short. Like All my notes for this chapter are four lines long. And he gives this report basically entirely in dying gasps, as far as I can tell. So he talks about how he very briefly talks about that he investigated the island and he found proof of byzanium. And he's almost positive that if they mined really hard, they could get a teaspoon of it. And Seagram's crushed. Donner's crushed.
0: They they need pounds and pounds of this stuff. They need huge quantities. they are like, what, have the Russians mined it?
1: Until he explains that there's only a teaspoon of it because it was all mined out. Someone's already gotten it. And they're terrified it's the Russians because that means the Russians are doing the same project they are. Even though we have no idea what this project is yet.
0: they terrified the Russians because it's 1987. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you've ever seen the first episode of Saturday Night Live. They open with um, peace negotiations in the Middle East. Some things never change.
1: <laughs> Haven't they got peace yet? Pieces. Ah, so good times. that's
0: it. In chapter 7, they're like, not the Russians. And, and the guy gasps out. Copland gasps out. The coloradans and then he just back to unconsciousness briefly but he comes when he wakes wakes up he's got the receipts or he had the receipts then lost the receipts but he's going to, he's going to tell of what he found
1: my notes for chapter nine are a lot more extensive because i think that's our first proper parlor scene but first we have to dip back to prevlov in russia
0: Ah, oh, Prevoff! We go to Prevolov,
1: the Russian Dirk pit.
0: his house is grand. He's got uh real chandeliers and silk carpets
1: tapestries, chartreuse, and a kimono
0: to let you know the wix he's wearing a silk kimono
1: and nothing under it
0: given and there were two glasses. <laughs> goes without saying. I don't care if he was wearing an elbow costume under that kimono. <laughs> it would not be more disturbing than two glasses of chartreuse. Is he a Klingon? What human drinks chartreuse?
1: <laughs> more specifically, what person uses chartreuse to get like the other person drunk? Although, thinking back, I think that's what my wife did to me when we were dating.
0: And now you've been married for 55 years. Should I get a, a doll? Do you want to show- wear on the doll? <laughs>
1: It all went in the stomach. It's okay.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: And that's how I learned I hate Southern comfort.
0: Okay. I've, I've never had it.
1: It's terrible.
0: I've had more tequila than any human should. Ah. So I've left it at that.
1: Anyway, chapter eight, Prevlov, Japanese, kimono, Turkish tapestries, French furniture, chartreuse, and he's talking with Marguignon? Yes. Not sure how to pronounce that. Anyway, it's it's one of the clerks from the military.
0: And he goes in to say he heard something about a Sicilian strategy or Sicilian defense, and it could mean something.
1: He says that a message was forwarded from the KGB from one of their American agents, which was rock collecting, new American hobby, Sicilian project. And this clerk is hoping that Prevlov can, you know, figure out what the hell this means.
0: Yes, he wants him to drill down and be like, oh, yes, of course, the Sicilian project means X, <laughs> Uh, and but this Manjin guy was trying to be helpful. He was like, I researched American culture. There's something to do with Italian organized crime. I hear they have a name for it. And Prevolov's like, it's maf- mafia. They call it the mafia. You turn up, basically. <laughs> li- audio Maxim. And then he, the, this mainjin guy was like, oh, they also use Italian salad oil. <laughs> and he's, then he's. I did out. like that.
1: <laughs> but because. Mr. Prevlov or what? Director Prevlov? What is his official title? I mean da, 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 da.
0: Sexy Dirk uh. Pit because he's got a kimono. They've never given Dirk a kimono.
1: Russian intelligence officer Captain Prevlov. Okay, I have to use his proper title because he is a- the Russian Dirk Pit. He has gut knowledge and he does a bit of banter about chess and tells Marguignon to look up the Sicilian defense.
0: Yes, he mentions it's a chess maneuver and that the Americans are very they advertise with their, the titles of their discreet plans. Their mission titles are a little on the nose. And that's it for chapter eight. It is real brief. The guy gets kicked out. Oh, he does break into the garage carefully and steals the windshield wipers.
1: He steals the windshield wipers, but he, uh, he, uh, he also examines the American Ford sedan next to Prevlov's orange Italian sports car. And he memorizes all the Ford's information because obviously that's whoever... Prevlov sleeping with and then he steals the windshield wipers and departs with a smug smile so he's already planning to backstab his superior because this is Russia
0: go get that bag <laughs> get that windshield wiper money it, it is explained in the book that that was the com. it's like a stealing a car radio it was the <laughs> common street currency so it would be less suspicious for him to have broken into the garage and st- stolen the windshield wipers than to break in and not take anything
1: yeah so we already have like nine named characters and they all have their own agendas. This is more complicated than the last two books combined
0: and dirk hasn't hasn't shown up yet to speak. he had the cameo he was spoken of he was yeah. described, but that's it. he hasn't showed up
1: by the end of chapter twelve. I'm pretty sure that uh he had a uh like one of the murder conspiracy boards with all the strings up. <laughs> Because there's a lot happening, but there is a lot that I, r- I recognize from the later Dirk Pitt books. Like, Because right now we're establishing a mystery that has nothing to do with the ocean in any way. And it always ties back somehow, and you, you have to try and see, okay, so what the hell does this have to do with Numa?
0: Which is fantastic. This, <laughs> this is very creative. you got to love a guy who's writing a book, and the main character hasn't showed up yet, and the, the water heroics... The reason... For the for these series to exist. The water play. Not that water play, but the
1: Um phrasing.
0: It's but it's supposed to be water adventures, sea seafaring. None of that's happening yet. Nope. And that's fantastic. What a bait and switch.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's why it's this a was a Titanic. This was such a big hit. Like this is doing a lot of things at once. And I think it's doing most of them really well.
0: Well I think you can dangling the carrot of the Titanic. <laughs> Will have, will string readers or viewers along so you can stretch out that plot if it's a little bizarre or a little twisty, turny, because this is not a straight path of a plot.
1: We have Americans, we have Russians, we have spies, we have some sort of secret military project, we have very short chapters. This is like a really punchy airport novel. Exactly. Yes. I have to imagine there was just like a million people reading this on beaches
0: that year. Or maybe this is when cocaine really took off. He's like, yeah. Nobody has a, an attention <laughs> span anymore. i got to make this fast, fast, fast.
1: Oh, I was going to say he made enough money off of his first two books that he got into cocaine.
0: I hope did. I hope had a blast.
1: <laughs> it worked for Stephen King.
0: It really did. These are not good examples. <laughs> Everyone, listeners, go do drugs. It'll make you a successful person.
1: I have to put a uh, bunch of quotes from Bill Hicks in here now. Because you know what? The musicians who made that great music that has enhanced your lives throughout the years? Real fucking high on drugs, okay?
0: So we, we're on to part two. Uh, the Coloradans. It's, a, it's like one month later. So instead of July of 1987, we have now entered August 1987.
1: My God, that's the month we're in. Although it's going to be September by the time anyone hears this.
0: And uh, Donna and Donna. Donner and Seagram are...
1: Donner's going to park the car. ...do a
0: light interrogation. <laughs> I can never listen to this episode. Donner. Oh, I'll just kill <laughs> myself, hearing myself say that. Uh,
1: I have my note that he sets up the voice recorder because they're doing a podcast.
0: They were ahead of the car. So they're. this guy's still recovering in the hospital. I'm trying to read my handwriting. Uh, Copland describes all of the old mining artifacts that he found on that godforsaken Russian iceberg, or island.
1: It's a small island with a mountain on it that they use as like a missile radar outpost. And he spent two weeks on the island, sort of camped out on the other side where nobody would see him, skiing around and I guess looking for any signs of byzanium because they have some, they had some lead that there was byzanium in the region.
0: Eventually, a they asked him how he was caught, because how could you catch a non-military person who's camping out for two weeks and cross country skiing everywhere they go. <laughs> Who could track that person down? Uh, I know. <laughs> but, but they needed a dog to sniff him out. But yeah. Once you once you read he's there for two weeks cross country skiing, you're like, what why bring a dog in he he just wrote that dog in to shoot the dog. So the Russian soldier comes by with his dog and he that that's when the guy's problems begin and then he is saved by Dirk coming through the fog and dragging him over 50 miles? Yep. Which seemed impossible.
1: Well, he's Dirk Pitt. Yes. You, you bounced over a bunch of stuff that's going to be on the conspiracy board about the mine that he found, uh, where the mine shaft was like very carefully covered over with rubble, so it, it looked just like a, a regular hillside. Inside, all the equipment is still there. The lamps still have fuel. All the mules were taken into a, a side chamber and very carefully shot. And they find the frozen, red-haired body of one of the miners, uh, Jake Hobart, died in a storm February 12th, and a copy of the news from December 17th, 1911. So there's all this information set up to prove that it wasn't the Russians who mined it out. It was apparently miners from Colorado in Russia in the early 1900s.
0: It's an elite mining team.
1: And Copeland thinks that that they dug half a ton of byzanium out of the mountain. And it's got to be somewhere. So now the hunt is on.
0: Every time I read Byzanium, I do it in Jerry Lewis's voice. My inner monologue turns into Byzanium.
1: <laughs> oh, and, and Copeland says that they have to thank the man who shot the Soviet patrol dog and got me off the island. He did it as calmly as if he did it every day before breakfast. But he does. And he says the name Dirk Pitt, and he never saw him again.
0: This is what we know about Dirk. He wakes up, kisses the redhead next to him. Doesn't know her name, goes out, has a swim, comes back in to shore, shoots a dog, begins his day.
1: He's had at least five bottles of beer by this point.
0: Boilerplate every morning. Oh, yeah, they're still keeping up the drinking. I am <laughs> convinced between this book and the previous one, he spent 10 years in a coma because he is not good to his body.
1: I mean, we have a character named Seagrams. There's a lot of drinking happening in this.
0: Hey, they make Ginger Ale too. It's lovely.
1: <laughs> I guess. But now we bounce into chapter 10, which is a Sandecker chapter, and my notes just say, there's still no pit, where's pit, I want pit.
0: Yeah, the Sandecker chapter, Sandecker is just a mustache that answers the phone and squawks. Rah!
1: Yeah, this is Why'd one you bother me? Like, short phone call and one line that I couldn't believe, and I'm going to have to put the clip from the audiobook into this episode, but I'm also going to have to bleep it uh, judiciously.
0: Why are you bleeping a podcast that goes out on the internet? (laughs) It's where the naughty words live.
1: Okay, fine. I'll leave it in.
0: And what's the quote? For uh, for me. I know our dear listeners can
1: can hear it in the clip. Seagram calls him, and it's the the middle of the night, and he says, Did I wake you up? Oh, my God. And Sandecker says, Oh, hell no. I never retire before I write five chapters on my autobiography, rob at least two liquor stores, and rape a cabinet member's wife. Okay, what are you after, Seagram? That's the witty banter from this book.
0: <laughs> I'd forgotten because I read that quite some time ago. And as soon as you started, I was like...
1: <gasps> <laughs> I heard you Make gasp. It, I'm going to leave that in.
0: <laughs> when I read it in the book, I gasped. I'm like, Jesus, that's funny. That's <laughs> witty banter.
1: I had to rewind because I also thought I heard that wrong.
0: You know what? I'm going to work that into conversations because if I say it, It will be funny. (laughs) People be like, what? The next PTA meeting I go to is going to be fire.
1: Uh, Please record that for legal
0: purposes. (laughs) Sure. I think that brings us to uh, chapter 11.
1: The entire point of the phone call was so Seagram can ask, do you know a Dirk Pitt? I have no proof, but I think he's associated with Numa. And all I can think of is, isn't he also the most famous son of the most famous senator? Oh, sure. And the special projects director for an entire government agency?
0: It's been 10 years, maybe that senator died.
1: Seagram explains that this pit killed a Soviet, carried Copeland over miles of snow, and then returned to a Pneuma boat ready for surgery. And Sandecker's just like, Dirk, pit, you son of a bitch.
0: Yeah, you sly bastard. <laughs> the Sandecker cannot be impressed. He could be moderately bemused, but
1: <laughs> it's just that oh that Dirk, and then rolling his eyes, and then freeze <laughs> yeah. frame, and the audience laughs.
0: Oh, well, Sandecker is. Did you ever see, uh, uh, Mrs. G? It was a bunch of girls who went to, you know, girl Facts of Life in the eighties. It was a oh, show probably. called the Facts of Life.
1: I know. I watched it when I was had... a kid.
0: It went. They they had it like a den mother. Who just took care of everything. And if they did something wacky or, you know, they spilled paint on the dog. Oh girls. So <laughs> Sandecker is Mrs. G. He's the den mother. I like it. Donner Travers Donner travels to Colorado to find the old mining company. He goes to a library, a helpful librarian tells him uh the the records are not kept in paper on the main floor anymore, she's got to go get the microfiche. Yes. And I've used microfiche. It's fun. Uh, for people who don't know what that is, It's uh, if you see the movie, Silence of the Lambs, Agent Starling uses it to look at old old articles, mm-hmm. old newspaper articles. Newspapers were printed. I used to
1: love that stuff. Uh, love that stuff when I was a kid. Uh, That's what all of the libraries had for the book lookups. And it had magazines and articles and newspapers in there, and I just thought it was neat that these little tiny cards had, you know, eight square miles of print on them. Oh, it was
0: fantastic. It was so much fun.
1: The nearest thing we had to a computer in 85.
0: The last time I got to use it was 2003. Brooklyn College Library, they still had it for old documents. You could, it's still a very valuable way of mm-hmm. archiving because it's, it's safe, and you can... You can look at the microfiche with other magnifying equipment. You don't have to find the CD-ROM or the <laughs> digital device to play it back. <laughs> yeah,
1: because they're looking for the newspaper that was in the mine because one page was missing from the newspaper. So they they have to think that there, there's something important on this one page that was missing. And I'm not sure why they would think that, but these, this is the evidence path that the book is giving us.
0: Yes, and... They, they go over some of the things that they s- see on the page, like uh, like strychnine baby colic supplements and um, <laughs> elastic rubber bands to help with gout. So they naturally assume that the missing piece on the paper is very important.
1: Yeah, because there w- there was also an article about a mine disaster, which we'll get to later.
0: And, oh, I want to ruin that right now.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: no, I... Uh, but the Donner ch- is trying to find out who bought what, so he does a small white lie when he finds out that one of the mining companies that was listed uh, in the in the artifacts is still around. Yes, and he tries to he tries to bullshit the guy and say, you know, some some broad still is claiming back pension. Some woman is.
1: Oh no! Uh, I is think
0: getting a pension.
1: You're bouncing around uh, chapter fourteen and chapter eleven. For chapter 11, he goes to the foundry, uh, which used to be Thor Ironworks, which is where a bunch of the mining equipment was from, and asks to see uh, their records from 1911. And this is where that you know they shoot the shit and drink some whiskey. But this
0: is where he finds a record.
1: Well, the, and I quote, attractive, large-breasted receptionist uh, goes down to the records room, which brings the sexy secretary count up to three.
0: Yes. She Told you was- I was keeping track. Smug. <laughs> she, she was definitely smuggling watermelons underneath her sweater. <laughs> all I have written for chapter twelve is Jean Seagram. Nobody's named Jean anymore. <laughs> but uh,
1: I was going to say I I have a lot written for chapter twelve. But what I have written for chapter twelve is, if you don't mind me going off on a bit of a tangent here, but okay, I so, do it all the
0: time. <laughs> I told you about a dog funeral. It. How is that relevant? Go ahead. You so, do you. That's let's, let's chapter hear your twelve
1: takes place at Meta Headquarters, which is uh, disguised as a storage company in Washington. Uh, They talk about all the land acquisitions for the Sicilian project installations, which are going to be all along the border, all the way around the country. We still don't know what they're for. There's also none around Alaska or Hawaii, so I guess those don't matter. And there's absolutely nothing suspicious. And he gets a call from the Army Records Bureau guy, uh, and he has the info for James Hobart, the dead miner. And he was a minor, and then he served in the Colorado Regiment in the Philippines uh, during the Philippine-American War. His widow was still alive, despite the fact that, you know, he died in 1911. And there's a bit about how the May-December romances were common for retired soldiers. So he was like 30 and married a 15-year-old. So she's only like 90 years old when the book takes place, and she's still collecting a pension. But I went on a bit of a rabbit hole looking at why he fought in the Philippines, and I didn't know that the United States annexed the Philippines after the Spanish-American War.
0: Didn't know that either.
1: The Philippines declared independence and kicked out Spain after their war, and then the United States went, No, you're not independent. You're one of ours now. And then there was an American-Philippine war. Uh, The president was captured in 1901 and the war was declared over with a victory for the United States. Resulted in the death of 200,000 Filipino civilians, although some estimates have it up to a...
0: 200,000!
1: Although some estimates have it up to a million. And in retaliation for the uh, jungle warfare tactics, which were deemed unfair, the U.S. carried out reprisals and scorched earth campaigns and forcibly relocated many areas to concentration camps.
0: Oh my God.
1: And the United States. And that remained the case until the United States granted Philippines independence in 1946. I didn't think that was that late.
0: That's. um, Well, well, where's Lee Greenwood when you need him?
1: (laughs) But, anyways, the important part of that chapter was he gets the widow's name and address uh, in Los Angeles. And now we get to a chapter that's one sentence.
0: But going back to the, the pensioners, I was talking to my mother-in-law, and she was alive when the last Civil War widow passed away. So the yeah, last person guess... getting a pension for the American Civil War, which uh, 1860, 1864.
1: Yeah, because it was like a 55-year-old, like, he got married, like, 30 years after the Civil War to somebody who was, like, way younger than him, and she, yeah, it's wild how- Oh
0: yeah, yeah, she she was, uh, he was robbed of the cradle, and he was- eh. One foot in the grave, one foot on the banana peel. Some say I'm robbing the cradle, but I say she's robbing the grave. <laughs> May December doesn't even cut it. It's it's more like a, a Ouija board romance.
1: Oh, <laughs> and that's the name of the episode.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, that's, a gr- ooh, and then, that's a great visual. Anyway,
0: well, we're here to paint with words. Yes, so they 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 know that the guy Hobart who they found dead in the the mine in, in Russia, who's from Colorado, but he's also reported in that paper to have died in that mining accident that they find on the microfiche. Yeah. And this is a a mystery, a quandary.
1: How could you die in two places? It must be a cover-up.
0: It must be in a secret clandestine operation, which is what we're here for. Yeah. Clive does... All timey secret clandestine well.
1: And now we're in chapter 14, which is another parlor scene, which is Donner out for lunch with a Mr. Young, a mining expert. But because it's Clive Cussler, starts off with the sexy waitress taking their order, bending over so they can see her underwear, and then Mr. Young gestures to the waitress's butt and says he wishes he could have that for Christmas.
0: And being a waitress had to be so much fun. Oh. <laughs>
1: So I'll <laughs> I'll start the the sexy waitress count. We're up to one. Let's see if we can get to three by the end of the book.
0: What what happens if we get to three? Do we get do we get like a chauvinist award, like a boob trophy? Just one boob <laughs> on it.
1: I think we get a prize, and the prize is we do a non-custler book one of these days. Oh uh, Anyway, I've been talking for like five minutes. But yeah.
0: Harry Young is a seventy-eight years old and a mining historian. And Donner is, this is the guy Donner's telling, you know, uh, some guy died and his grieving widow is now trying to claim the pension. And this guy just so happens to be the great nephew of the guy he's uh, making stories about. So he gets caught in his federal lie.
1: But he does prove that he works for the government. He does whip out the official ID and says that he still would like this information. Oh, and you're gone. He froze. And you're back. I think you dropped. Ah, oh, goddammit. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now.
0: Guess not. Okay. Oh, goddammit. Should we leave it here for tonight? I guess. Try shaking your computer. Demi Turner,
1: my name is Demi- 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 owner of the Ah, dang it. Uh, listeners, the audio died right here. So we are going to wrap this up right now, and we will finish untangling the web of chapter 14 on our next episode. This has been Custler Hustlers. Your hosts have been Topper and Nancy. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kustler Hustlers.